Welcome to everyone. Thank you for joining us. And um, I'd like to start by, um, at least from my perspective, pointing out that African contemporary art is relatively underrepresented in museums and galleries, um, as well as generally undervalued in terms of the market. Um, 154 started in London in 2013. Um, and I just wondered whether, in your perspective, how has this changed over the last few years and how do you address this um, underrepresentation in the market and in museums? Um, and I'd like to start with you, Io. Uh, 154 has definitely had an impact on the, on the market generally. I mean, it's a fair, so you expect a fair to have an impact on the marketplace um, for contemporary African arts. It's, um, I guess, the most readily word to use is mainstream. It helps to bring things to the mainstream. Um, I think this would just be the general collective base. Um, I'm always one to mention that African artists have always been collected on the continent of Africa itself, right? Yeah. 54, bringing it to London, New York, and later Marrakesh is basically just expanding the horizon when it comes to the collective base. Um, it's also helped with institutional collecting. Uh, I've placed works in museums in the States, in Saudi Arabia, Belgium. A lot of these people are the curators in their conversations at 154 and led to further conversations that led to closing deals. So in that, in that, in that regard, um, 154 has brought us to a broader international spectrum than say, you know, a small gallery like myself or even a bigger gallery trying to do this, taking it to different places. There's not that sense of congregation that 154 allows. Yeah. And Yvette and Julia, you're obviously very involved in the curatorial side of 154, but also both working in, in Germany. How, how do you see this? Well, I mean, 2013 was also the year when, we've, when we founded The End, basically. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think with that platform, actually, we could really see the growing interest because mm-hmm. in the beginning it was for us really thinking around, you know, having some space where, you can, where we can bring together all these debates and discourses happening in Africa and the diaspora. And it was felt like it was kind of a niche. Um, so, yeah. and we also always thought, okay, it's this kind of project and who knows how long it's gonna run, but this is what we feel we need to do right now. And then we could really see this really, you know, not only the growing network of writers and people we're working with, but also of course with, with the readership and interest from institutions and so on that would really grow over time and that really led to to what CN today is which is being like literally being read and all over the place and I think um, mm. this really reflects also in a way how we're being approached for example from institutions or curators that say look um, I've you know have an interest in doing this exhibition or that and then you know always kind of it's it's an issue in itself because it can also be a bit brain drain, you know, when they ask you for these five names that they can show in the institution. But just to say that you mm. could see over the past seven years that there's like this constant um, rising awareness, um, let's say from institutional side also that they can't really ignore this anymore. So that includes buying, but it also includes like setting up, you know, shows and programs, inviting mm. curators and I mean, we're far from where it could be, but it has been somehow a constant race, rise, maybe also in comparison to what had happened before, 
mm. um, in the early 2000s or 90s where you had this kind of waves maybe or moments where you thought like, oh, now it's picking up or especially after Opry Enviso's documentary, for example. Mm. And you would see that in, in Europe, for example, in Germany, but also other European countries. But then also it would kind of slow down again. So it was like this, this trend or whatever that was picked up and then kind of really, yeah, stopped again. And so it feels like in the last couple of years, there's a, at least we can be mm. optimistic that this is more than a wave, that it's somehow that picks up, which kind of really ties into what you are you were saying in terms of um, the market. Yeah, and um, you know, looking at the fairs, for example, when we started um, talking to um, galleries on the continent, big galleries on the continent, many of them saying, you know, we've been trying to apply to get into freeze, etc., for a long time now, but have no chance to get in, yeah? And um, this is some years ago. Now, uh, many of them have a fixed place because, you know, finally the, you know, the, the big uh, fairs, apart from 154, obviously who understood the whole concept years before, but now freeze, etc., slowly, you know, following um, by thinking, okay, if we're not global, we kind of, you know, have missed something, yeah? This urge to become, you know, a global fair, a global museum, etc. This is something which is very, very interesting for us to to um, to see from, not from a distance, but from, you know, our experience during the last years that um, this urge to become uh, global, to represent a global program is really there. So, yeah. And within that, I know there's also generally in the art world and the market, and historically generally a bit of an underrepresentation of female artists and I know Pulani that's something that you're quite dedicated to in terms of collecting and promoting can you speak um, a bit more about how you do that okay just in the context of um, my interest in the arts generally and how I came to be interested in and passionate about promoting the most underrepresented artists which are African female artists um, my interest in art, in fact, arose from the fact that I have always been interested in history, I've always been interested in politics, arts and culture. And so in 1994, when South Africa became a newly democratic uh, dispensation, I started to think a little more about how our arts and our culture would be preserved. And this was particularly important in South Africa, given the fact that we came from such a violent and fractured um, history, where there were significant gaps in that art uh, canon of history. Um, so as far back as 2003, I developed an interest in trying to understand the other side of art. So in other words, African people, Black African people had been uh, prevented from access to art establishments, be they galleries, be they um, museums, and other art institutes. So we didn't have much of an understanding of um, uh, one side of art, art history. Where, and on the other hand, you had Black artists who um, were excluded from the arts as well, from the perspective that they weren't given support in, in developing their art practices. So it so happened that I one day decided to, out of curiosity, walk into a gallery called the Goodman Gallery in Rosebank, which was not too far from where my son went to nursery school, actually. 
And I struck up what became a lifelong relationship, not only with the gallery, but also with the, with the um, owner of the gallery, one Linda Givon, who sadly passed away yesterday. And she took the time and interest in schooling me in, in um, the history of art and art, artists, significant artists um, through the apartheid era. So I had the benefits of this understanding and started buying art. And the art that I bought initially was um, art that interested me, that took my fancy, and as well as art that I was led to understand was important South African art. It didn't take me too long in this journey to realize that there was something missing. And what was missing from this representation that um, there were specific important artists was the fact that there were no, there were very few black artists and there were even less black female artists who were South African. So I had collected artists such as William Kentridge, Alexis Prella, Trechikov, um, some, there were some black historic artists like um, Pemba and um, Gerard Sikoto that I also collected. But the reality is that there was an overwhelming number of um, white artists who constituted this canon of history, history of can, can, canon mm -hmm. of, uh, of African art, of South African art. So there began my journey. I'd call it an activist journey to a degree where I, I started selling off a lot of the, the art that I had originally collected out of flights of fancy and began to really focus on identifying in the first instance female artists that I thought were interesting and that really needed to be represented in this kind of, um, of art over time, as well as to try and find historic black artists that needed to, where the gaps needed to be filled in terms of the development of um, African, South African art history. And, and so what I try and do to the best of my abilities, wherever I find myself on a platform that involves art, discussing art, promoting artists, I tend to focus my time and attention on not only South African female artists, but African female artists, because like most other areas in life, we are the most underrepresented and we have the, le the least opportunities for growth. Yeah, thank you. And um, yeah, it's interesting what you say, especially about having a mentor and, and finding that. And very lucky that you walked into to Goodman Gallery. Uh, it's probably one of the best places you could have started in South Africa, but um, yeah, it's interesting. Um, and in terms of, um, things recently obviously moving digitally because of the situation in the world. Um, obviously, we've seen a huge increase in digital formats, digital events, virtual viewing rooms. Um, and I'm just interested to see how um, this has kind of, if this has offered you any opportunities, despite obviously some of the challenges that, are, that have um, come with it. So Yvette um, and Julia, um, has this changed the way that you've kind of discovered new artists, interacted with artists, even, you know, curating shows digitally and, and working with digital art even? Mm. Yeah, um, it's funny in a way, um, our daily work didn't change too much because obviously launched as a digital medium, digital platform, we always um, 
um, worked obviously, um, let's say in an online digital context and um, communicated and kind of um, developed our you know, global network, obviously through physical encounters, but as well a lot through um, digital encounters and um, you know, connecting with um, people um, in Africa and the global diaspora digitally online. So this kind of Zoom meetings or Skype meetings and all of that um, kind of connection is something we've been doing for the last seven years already. So this was not a big shock for us to go. You know, we, we talked to someone in Korea in, in, at 11 a.m. and then to, to someone in Kenya at three and to someone in New York at it's at seven, so this is something we didn't have to get used to. But um, yeah. um, of obviously, we um, let's say we, we we put more speed into things we um, um, normally said. Okay, this is something we can maybe you know push us not push aside, but um, put in the corner a little bit because there's no need to develop this now. But um, things like, for example, um, um, the online let's say an art space we've been thinking about for a long time um, um, is something we suddenly looked at a lot closer now during the last month and weeks because we thought, okay, now's the time to really think about how this art space on Contemporary End could look like because what we didn't want and that's why it took us so long to, to replicate a physical room like a physical white cube to you know to um, curate artwork or present artwork within this art space digital art space so um that's why during the last weeks and months we've been working and um thinking about how to um, um finally launch and relaunch this um digital um yeah digital platform for um artists etc and this is something um you know we've, we've been doing for the last weeks and um, which we think is um, very important because we can invite now um, different artists working in different forms and media, for example, of course, not only video, but sound as well, mm -hmm. and digital or work, uh, artists who work um, with a focus on the digital as well. And um, this is something, um, as Cassie were asking, um, this is something obviously um, we've been doing a bit more like uh, focusing or doing research on um, artists focusing on working within the, you know, with digital tools tools or working within digital contexts. And um, this is something we find very interesting because um, there are many, many um, artists um, in Africa and the global diaspora who focus on this kind of um, work and which is very interesting for us as well. And uh, yeah. Yeah, and at the same time, it also was important to think around also what it means for those artistic practices that actually are not digital, because mm -hmm. you also can't expect now, because in that we, we saw that also in the context of other projects or spaces that they would suddenly, you know, we would hear from artists that they were asked, yeah, can we just, can you make it like that? Is this a video or you, then, you know, that we can put it online so they suddenly were expected to produce art that's that comforts or fits into that mm. digital format. And I think this is something really tricky that came with this moment that also is difficult for artists that, you know, really work analog as painters or what, yeah. whatsoever, what that means, how they can actually translate um, their work into the digital space. And so I think this was also really 
relevant when we thought about this, this it's called the end commissions, this idea yeah. of somehow showcasing work, how we can also respect that, that beyond looking at artists that have been working digitally anyway, how we can also still, of course, include those that haven't and, and how we can deal or maybe also have, can support artists in a way, um, you know, how they can get through this and how they, how they deal with that. So I think that was really um, important for us as well. Yeah, of course. And Ayo, that must be something that you've had to think about in terms of showing your artists' work who are maybe painters or sculptors to a collector who might not be able to see it in person, but also engaging with your, the artists that you represent, engaging with their work without actually having see it, seen it in person. Um, is that something that you've had to work around a bit? About, I'm, I'm with Yvette in this one. I've had to do this for quite a while now. Um, I yeah. think only about 20% of my artists actually live within Europe. So I have artists in the continent of Africa itself. I have some in the States. I've always had to like, I mean, WhatsApp is my favorite medium. So I've always had to call them and spend long hours talking to them on the phone. And if I needed to see images of what they're working on, you know, it's a, a text away. Um, same with collectors. Um, predominantly my collectors are on the African continent. So I'm, I've never been lazy enough to just put up a show at the gallery and expect people to come in from London and buy stuff. Um, Africa diaspora is a huge space as well. So, you know, I'm Nigerian by descent. You've got Nigerians absolutely everywhere. And a lot of these guys are my collectors as well. So I've had to read them in multiple ways in the past. Zoom is new to me. Um, so I don't think I've actually had a Zoom collector call just yet. No, uh, actually, <laughs> I had a collector, uh, a group of collectors from South Africa that actually asked for a Zoom call to discuss what I was showing them. That was completely new to me. So, you know, mm -hmm. I'm still around trying to find out that video works best for me. Um, but I'll take, I'll take something else that um, was said by the ladies before, which is you cannot make artists change media mm. because of times. Um, I work a lot with 20th century art, which is, you know, some of those artists are in the 80s. Many of them are long gone. You know, it's a painting on canvas. It's a sculpture. That's what it is. So because the media doesn't fit, doesn't mean I'm not going to find a way around getting this to the collectors of re-engaging with the institutions mm. um so we've got i've like i've done this for a while now but the navigation continues there are ways to reach people that mm. i'm gonna have to find a way so, you know digital mm. order and i'm you know i favor analog sadly so the, the <laughs> thing is, is just is a, yeah it's, sometimes uh, nothing beats yeah. yeah, nothing beats seeing someone or something in person. Fulani, yeah. have you, um, have mm -hmm. you co collected anything recently that you've only seen um, digitally before, before making oh, it? I think that it's, um, it's quite an interesting and complicated answer that I have. So in the first <laughs> instance, I think the use of social media or digital uh, options are extremely interesting insofar as having conversations uh, with curators, with art fair directors, with gallery owners are concerned, insofar as being uh, appraised of new artists who have come on board or artists who have produced new bodies of work. So I think that's, that's interesting. What I find a little bit, what I find very challenging is buying 
new artists' work. So in other words, artists that are not already in my collection, based on what I've seen on paper or digitally. Mm. That I found impossible to do. Mm. Because one of the things that I think is extremely important for anybody who's collecting is to collect deep. And that means tracing the artist through their career and supporting them, obviously, by buying their work and developing a relationship with them. Uh, developing a relationship from my perspective means spending time with them, visiting their galleries, um, talking to them every so often, inviting them to talks, etc. So building a one-on-one, -on -one <laughs> warm-bodied relationship, so to speak. So I, I find that um, the, the last piece of, uh, of art that I bought was by an artist called Tenji Miki Wenkosi, who's a young, dynamic um, uh, South African artist, uh, part of the gymnasium series that, that is her most recent um, body of work. Mm -hmm. And there it was easy for me to buy that work because I already have an appreciation for mm -hmm. that particular body of work. I'd seen mm -hmm. it at the um, And so when she produced a smaller version or, or a, a, a continuation of that work, it was easy for me to make that decision. However, if it's an artist that I'm not familiar with, I do not have a relationship with. The likelihood of me choosing to continue following the artist is higher than, uh, than me actually choosing to buy their work, irrespective of what the gallery owner says to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, that's, that's interesting about how you talk about, you know, if you've seen something and you know the work, you know the artist, it's definitely mm -hmm. a lot easier to understand something from an mm -hmm. image. But also what you said about social media and, and following artists, um, which I actually wanted to ask, um, do you use social media to kind of follow artists, discover new artists, um, Yvette and Julia? Yeah, we certainly do. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's also comes somehow by nature because we have an Instagram account with the end, which is, which is running by one of our colleagues and which is kind of also curated in a way that um, he looks at specific positions that, you know, are interested and then are being presented. So in a way, Instagram becomes also even more and more an important um, presentation space um, for artists, you know, I mean, through their own channels, of course, but also through being featured on other Instagram channels. I mean, it's not our, just our channel, it's just an example, mm -hmm. um, how that happens more and more that people really use that also as a references or reference points um, by being featured here or there and then tagged. And so I think it's really, it's really relevant and, and important. And I, you know, I think we both also do that um, looking at the feed that comes through the followers that we have and then really see what they post or what kind of artists are following and so on. So I think uh, it has become more and more important. Interestingly, at, at least from our perspective, also Instagram has become much more important than Facebook. I mean, which makes sense with art, I guess, because it's so visual. Hmm. Um, and so um, I think it's really something we have also met artists, for example, last year we had a project in the US and we talked with a couple of artists actually from the Nigerian diaspora based in Houston, where it seems to as the, one of the biggest diasporas of Nigerians. And mm -hmm. a lot of them are artists actually, which was very interesting. Mm -hmm. And many of them are actually don't have any galleries, but actually yeah. sold their work only through Instagram. Yeah. So basically really just using that as a platform and it really worked for them in a way that they 
it's a sustainable sort of business um, through Instagram. So it's, it certainly is a very important um, aspect also in, in the frame of our work. Yeah. And for example, for our most recent print issue, focusing on, on coding and consciousness or the conscious, yeah, conscious codes, um, we uh, featured, had a big feature on an artist, Natalie Paneng, um, who we just discovered through Instagram and um, a digital working artist who, um, so far has, you know, hasn't, um, I think, exhibited anything physically in the physical space, but um, has, you know, her, kind of, her, her way of representation and presentation on Instagram only, and um, is trying to kind of get out into the analog physical sphere now. And um, we kind of try and obviously to, to help her by featuring her as, as, as an artist. So, yeah, we're doing this. So it's interesting that it now also starts to happen really the other way around. Yes. So that you are in the digital sphere first or in the social. Yeah. And then make that step out of the social into, so, yeah. into the real physical yeah. Step out of Instagram into the paper, which was so old school. Uh, uh, you know, a paper, a magazine. But um, she, she liked to do that. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, and there's a democracy in the way that artists can just post their work on social media, whereas, you know, before they would have had to go to the right school, get represented by yeah. the right gallery, and then but before seeing having their work um, seen by anyone. Yeah. I, how about you? Do you, um, do you encourage your artists um, to use it? Do you discover new artists through social media? I encourage any artist to be active on social media, as long as they're comfortable with the space, of course. Um, they are artists with thriving careers that don't seem to be represented by any gallery to the best of my knowledge. Um, like Victor Ekemeno from Nigeria, Nelson Makamo in South Africa. You know, these guys seem to have made a proper career for themselves just based on their, um, not just, as well, but a strong presence on their Instagram accounts. Uh, yes, I, the, the reality is there is not enough galleries to cover contemporary African art production. They're mm -hmm. just a of active galleries specifically focused on contemporary art. So mm -hmm. artists are gonna have to find ways to reach yeah. the market or reach the audience. And yeah. this is something that they've done very, very successfully. And I, I think a lot of African artists probably are leaving the curve in direct engagement with um, their audience. Because again, there's, not, there's no intimidation, which is common to the, to yeah. the to the West, there's no Yale MFA that guarantees you, you know, yeah. pretty much gallery representation once you're done. They are to, you know, to direct engagement is important. So I, I actually actively encourage my own artists, even though I am their intimidation, but if they could do half the work for me and get, you know, I'm never going to turn down collectors that come by Instagram um, <laughs> because they have to reach out to them. But I'm with Lani, I actually see a situation where a lot of people talk, we, we actually start a conversation online, but mm -hmm. they still don't want to see some physical work. Mm -hmm. So we're with clever ways of doing that. I, I'm, I've been known to actually send work to collectors, you know, whilst putting the gallery, the gallery is actually acting as guarantee um, to the artists and saying that our insurance will cover this. You don't want work to be lost or damaged in any situation, even if you're going to go to pay for it. You know, you don't want, you want artwork to survive. Well, you know, there are ways we are engaged with, especially with long-standing collectors to say, okay, I know you're not going to be able to come over to London now, but I'll get this work to you and we'll talk about it later. But they, you know, no matter how many times they reach you on Instagram, they still want to talk what they're buying. 
that's our experience anyway. Even yeah. though they're with some of the artists that are slightly more savvy in social media sites. Yeah. Mm. Um, and is there a particular artist either in this year's fair or that you've seen recently in, in an exhibition or that you've um, seen in a museum that really stands out for you? And is there anything you're particularly excited about in this year's fair? Is that for me? Sure. I, 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 I'm a gallerist. I'm never allowed to answer this question. No, there's only two people like you, right? I think I'm the only one who's independent enough to respond to that yes. question. Exactly. <laughs> I look like the trains of learning because if and, I don't um, pick my own artists, I'm in trouble. If I pick any of them, I'm still in trouble. <laughs> well, I have to say, um, a lot of what I buy is a function of the artist's reflection of what is happening as a commentary of what is happening at a particular point in time. Mm. Um, and for me, living in South Africa, being a woman, um, being extremely mindful of the fact that gender-based violence continues to ravage our society, not only South Africa, but the continent at, at large. And the fact that um, a lot of it has historic roots. And secondly, the fact that um, uh, female genital mutilation has been ongoing uh, for, 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 genera for, for, for decades. And because of the stigma attached to it, a lot of women have been very anxious and afraid of raising um, the issues. So in so far as that's concerned, and the fact that women are delicate, um, the work on the, on the, uh, uh, at the fair that has attracted my attention this time around, obviously there's a lot of work and I haven't been through all of the, the work that's, that's, that's online, is the, a, a work called Flowers by an artist called Owanto, who is Gabonese um, uh, in origin. And this work is, it's a, it's a UV print, but where the female genitals are, she has, um, she has, uh, yes. I've just told that. <laughs> yes, she has created extremely beautiful, delicate porcelain flowers. So on the one hand, you have this extreme violence against women's bodies. But on the other, you have almost overwhelming um, delicacy to how these flowers have been uh, um, uh, made up, uh, created, thought through, both in terms of the color, in terms of the, the design. And to me, it speaks to, it speaks to a number of things insofar as women are concerned. Um, uh, it really speaks to the resilience of women, the survival instinct of women, um, the fact that women still have a long way to go insofar as gender equality is concerned. Um, but for me, this work really stood out. Um, I, you know, there are lots of other artists, men, male and female artists, whose work I've really liked and, uh, based on what I've seen so far. Pedro Anatis is another one from, from Nigeria. Um, there's an artist that I saw on... Uh, uh, um, at Ayo's um, gallery, um, a sculpture, uh, which I think the artist there is, is, is amazing. But this was the first one that I saw by Owanto that I think is 
absolutely spectacular. As, as hard and as difficult as it is a subject matter to deal with. I'm not sure that I'd have it in the entrance hall of my home, but I certainly would have it in my home. It is hard uh, but, and hard for a reason while being uh, delicate at the same time. Yeah, but also, and it's something important to address. And also um, this work actually is, is one of the works hanging at Christie's in the highlights exhibition. And it's quite difficult to see from this picture, but the, but the porcelain flowers are really sculptural and come out maybe 50 centimeters. So it's really quite impressive, but also striking in person. And it definitely makes you, makes you think and, and look at it. But, but it also speaks to something else. When you look at the photograph, it's a black and white photograph. It's clearly a picture that was taken decades ago. It's not yeah. a contemporary uh, photograph. So to me, it, it also speaks to the, the violence that women have dealt with over decades. It's not yeah. something that's new. And it's clearly something that I think is coming to a head. Um, and we need to capitalize on that moment um, or seize the moment in order to try and rest um, what it is that is the source of, of all this violence. And I think that part of it has to, a great majority of it has to do with the patriarchal nature of our societies. So a multi-pronged approach there um, is required. So this really is a talking piece and, and, and it's just spectacular. Well done to the artist. Mm. Well, thank you, and, and thank you for being able to select a work from the from everything that was on offer. I know it wasn't um, wasn't easy. Um, one thing also I wanted to ask is obviously you're all quite experienced in your own field of of, the, of where you work in the in the art world. Um, if someone wanted to ask for some experience with either starting to collect or not even just to collect, but just about learning more and engaging more um where what do you suggest where where do you start um so, yvette and julia yeah um obviously the first thing we would say is you know look at many things look around which is obviously more tricky right now if you as we just discussed want to see things physically and not online but um um still we would say you know look at as many um, works as as you can, um, read a lot. Um, obviously, we could recommend platforms such as Contemporary End as well, because um, there, mm -hmm. um, obviously, we bring together more in-depth um, conversations with artists about um, um, their work, um, their concepts behind the work, etc. Because this is obviously, if if you start collecting uh, very important, um, as Polanyi was saying, um, you want to want to not get into the artist's brain, but you want to know what, you know, what, um, what concept he or she is uh, following. So, um, yeah, read a lot and um, try to see as lot as you, as, as much as you can, which is obviously a bit more tricky right now, is what I would say. Yeah, I think so too. And I think especially this aspect of following artists or reading interviews with the artists is a good way because it is also an accessible way in terms of language and so on. Because I mean, uh, so with books, um, so there's a lot to read, but I guess to start, it's good to mm -hmm. have these kind of texts uh, that are less maybe academic or less theoretical, but mm -hmm. just to get a sense of, you know, what the themes are that, that are really 
relevant to a certain generation of, um, of artists today. So um, I think this, this is also an important point because I think uh, we have made the experience also that often people are kind of intimidated by certain kinds of uh, texts or platforms or whatever because they maybe address a rather expert mm -hmm. public and mm -hmm. so on. And so this is maybe then the next level <laughs> in a way when you're like, you know, started getting into this and having conversations, maybe not also with artists, but also with people like Ayo or like, you know, that are working in the field and have this kind of trying to set up the exchange, um, I think is a really good way to also find out what what interests you as a person, whether you, it's about collecting or just knowing more about the field. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I definitely find personally talking about something you can almost, um, you can learn a lot from, you know, speaking to, to people hmm. uh, knowledgeable about artists at art fairs and museums. Um, Ayo, is that something that's quite important for you when you're speaking with collectors and speaking with artists? Um, yeah, absolutely. And there's nothing, those are very good tips. Um, the other one I'll add is befriend the collector you like. If you like their collection, um, what they could offer you, also, apart from the knowledge and the narrative, is also access to where they got those pieces from. Mm -hmm. um, the direct access to the artists, to galleries that you, you maybe, you know, might be not exactly a phone call away for you, from you. And um, listen to Polani talk about Wanto's work, well, for example. I'm always, you know, I'm always in awe about how collectors are the best people for me to talk about art because if they've, you know, just invested in the art so much research before they spend their money, they're not like me. I have, you know, vested interests all over the place um, and I'm, I'm trying to sell what I'm trying to sell. But a collector's actually yeah. look at this work, bought the work. It, it's always very charming when you see them speaking about it with such passion and eloquence. So, yeah, befriend a collector you like, and they just listen to them, and then of course see as much as possible. Um, if you're not if you're not a reader, a deep reader like myself, then seeing is one way of sharing. Mm. Of course, it's harder now, but we're hoping for normalization at some point. Um, I just <laughs> around artist studios, fairs, galleries, um, especially if you're in places, you know, vast cultural centers like London, New York, Lagos. You can see as much as you possibly can at any time you want. Mm. No, that's definitely the benefit of living in in one of those in one of those cities. There's always so much to see. Um, and in terms of the future, are there any aspects of change um, within the market and within the African contemporary art scene that you want to see, or that you are, you know, what? How would you like it to look in the future? Um, Pulani, is there anything um, aside from aside from what you've mentioned that you'd like to see change in the market? So, if I can just comment on your previous question very briefly, I think uh, both Yvette and Ayo made very um, very important um, contributions insofar as what it is that uh, new collectors or interested collectors, potential collectors, should be looking for. Mm. I would also say that because um, the whole art landscape is so, so vast. Um, I think that it is important pretty early on to, if you're building a collection, to narrow yourself down to identifying a vacuum. And that vacuum in my case, for instance, was the underrepresentation of Black South African artists and women in particular. 
but there are so many other vacuums in, in mm -hmm. art uh, across the continents that being able to, to do so enables you to zoom in on, on, this, on the particular vacuum to then befriend the, 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 the galleries who carry those artists' work, to befriend collectors, as Ayo mentioned, as well as to start developing relationships with the artists themselves mm. that focus on that particular uh, vacuum, so to speak, or area. Um, so, so for me, that vacuum part is important because art is not cheap by any stretch of the imagination. And therefore, it, I would say that it's important to try and ensure that you minimize, um, minimize buying art that you later regret. Yeah. And I'm not saying you then need to sell that, but you know, it would have helped to save your money mm. and to buy what you really want to have in your collection mm. um, over a period of time. Mm. In terms of what I'd like to see <laughs> um, into the future, I think that we are at a crossroads um, in, in terms of the art world. Um, I think what I would like to see more of is a greater regionalization mm. of art. So what I mean by that is to date there's been this frenzy where we all rush off and get onto planes, rush into this um, art fair in London, in New York, in Florida, in Hong Kong, and so on and so forth, Lagos, Johannesburg. And frankly, it's exhausting. Mm -hmm. um, it's exhausting. It, 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 feels like, it feels like a bit of a cattle market, frankly. Yes, you make, you build uh, new relationships each time you go, you meet familiar faces, but just in terms of the space to reflect and to think um, mm. and to really take in some of the work that is up on the walls, you don't have the opportunity to do sufficiently. Mm. Art fairs have been growing bigger and bigger and bigger over the years that you, you know, the last time I went to Basel, I had five days and I had to plan and literally broke down that fair into bite-sized chunks. And at the end of the five days, I still felt that I hadn't missed um, everything. <laughs> I missed so much. Yeah. Um, and one day on the, on the third day, I was so exhausted mm. that I chucked it all in and I got into a taxi and went to the Baila Foundation where I sat in the garden. Mm -hmm. I, deep breath in there was a, an exhibition by Alexander Calder and I loved it it was just <laughs> quiet uh, there was a money um, on there was a big money on the wall I sat I looked at that and there wasn't the noise and the clutter that that you find that prevents you from actually taking in and enjoying what it is that an art fair should be so so I I, I look forward to small affairs I look forward to African art in particular being slightly enjoyed more on the continent mm. as opposed to it constantly being exported because what I fear will happen there is you will end up with African art being for a season as opposed mm. to being sustained over a period of time. So, so that's what I would like to see. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think we agree, really, this strength or this focus um, on, on the local and the strength in the local is super important. And we share this with you, definitely, um, be it, as you mentioned, um, focusing on 
fairs which in Africa already exist, you know, Art mm -hmm. X Lagos obviously exists. It's very successful um, um, talking to or working with local, um, local Nigerian collectors who are there, obviously, you know, and the market is there. So they don't, they don't need to fly to Hong Kong, et cetera, to, to see, uh, you know, great art. So, and another thing, for example, what we um, have seen during the last um, two, three years is that uh, more and more young artists um, originally from African cities are not dreaming of ending up in New York, et cetera, but going back to Accra, or to Lagos, et cetera, in order to help building an, you know, a cultural infrastructure there, starting um, their own residency um, programs there, et cetera. So really focusing on the strengths of the local, this is something which we find super interesting mm -hmm. and important as well. And yeah. But, but even in the local, uh, just to give you an example, we mm. have a, a fair called um, Art Joburg, which yeah, was yeah. a young entrepreneur, Manta Sibeko, mm -hmm. um, and he set up this new art fair, which launched last year. It is a much, much smaller fair than mm -hmm. what was the case in terms of the Joburg Art Fair. So even then you had much higher walls, you had far more space, you mm -hmm. were able, a lot of the artists who had produced the art were there. The speaking, the speaker's program was far more substantial and, and mm -hmm. had depth. Mm -hmm. um, so, so I would like to see that being where we go to, in, mm -hmm. in the future, rather than big is not always best. No, no, enough. I agree. Yeah, yeah, and it seems more realistic given the the current situation and people yeah. traveling less. So, in kind of the the state of the world right now, it um, definitely seems like a way that it could go. How about you, Io? Is there something that you'd like to see change? Definitely, I agree with that. So, you know empowering the smaller, more regional scenes, definitely. We're walking towards that, for example, in Lagos, as, as a person, I'm actually working for, with, with a big institution that's about to launch, hopefully next year as well, that, that is focused in Yoruba, for example. Now, this is looking from a, a, a tribal version of what's been described, and it's, it's a beautiful space, and it's going to be a wonderful collection. Um, but, you know, speaking just slightly broader, taking it back to the, the global space, again, in, in the context of African arts, Two things I'd like to, to see happen. Um, the second part is like you're selfish, but the first part is, is broader, which is there is currently a gap in every single collection of African arts or African artistic production currently. You've got lots of museums that, you know, populated with classical African arts or the antiquities or, you know, just pre-colonial arts, whatever it is. And then the contemporary scene is thriving, as we've all mentioned, there's, you know, thanks to the work like CN has done and all the other people that are actually in Kajana that promotes the narrative of the contemporary. Mm. But there was post-independence arts when African countries actually became countries, when they actually let go of these colonial streams and made art in the 60s and the 70s. A lot of this art was actually shown globally. They are traveling exhibitions in, in the States, they were shown in London, the, um, mm. the ICA, Camden Art Center, just from memory, at least two shows in the 60s. And these works are not in museum collections in mm -hmm. any kind of place. So you go to the shows and you know, you're showing a Yoruba sculpture, Shunga figure, and then fast forward to 2013 with a young artist, and you never like Africa didn't exist in between. Mm -hmm. That gap is flawed, completely. Mm -hmm. um, and then the second one is, if you're talking about the local as well, 
we need to see more engagement from UK institutions with Africans. You know, if I'm going to call them out, okay, I'll say, okay, the TATE has the African Acquisition Committee, and if you buy them, but there are museums all over the UK. There are museums in, you know, Sirius just said, there's Dorset. There are a lot of museums in the UK. Where, where is the engagement? Uh, I'm not seeing that. I, this year alone, and it's not the best year, we've sold to, thankfully, we've placed works in museums in Saudi Arabia, Belgium, and the States. But I haven't got a call from a UK museum just to say, just let's show some pieces. Mm. So uh, this is something else that I think, especially if I'm having to deal with a local, and I'm a London-based gallery, I need institutions based in the UK to engage with the London. Hmm. That's great, thank you. And um, we've got yeah. five minutes left, um, so I just wanted to open it up um, in case any of the attendees have any questions. Um, and I've seen a couple um, come through already. Um, so I'll start with this one, which is, what are the top publications on your essential reading list or podcasts about contemporary African art that you can recommend? Um, that and Julia, you look <laughs> ready to answer. Oh, there's there's a lot really to um, to read, really um, online and and physical as well. Um, oh, where should we start? Um, let's say, would we still because we you know we like paper, we still um, love to to read, for example, NKA, you know, the classical um, periodical physical magazine, which comes out twice a year, um, really going deep into discourses and context, etc. around um, contemporary art from Africa and the diaspora. We read Hyperallergic as well, for example, to really get an update um, view on discourses um, really on a global scale, etc. So this is important to us. Um, there are many more. It's really hard to, to, to pick uh, to, to pick a lot of them, but um, would be interesting what the other two are reading. I would say in addition to the, the publications that you've mentioned, I would also mention Art Africa, which mm -hmm. has a new yes. editor, mm -hmm. Azu, um, who was the director of the Zeitzmocker in Cape Town. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's um, the editor, right? Right now. At, yeah, he's become yes. the editor. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, in addition to that, just from a, from a podcast perspective, I'd say I'd point out the fact that uh, 154 has a podcast um, at the moment. And mm. there's a special on which is called The Rise and Rise of Contemporary African Art. That should be interesting. I'm looking forward um, uh, to listening to that. But, mm. but as you said, there are loads of publications. One yeah. just needs Google. <laughs> yeah, and which is good because many of them are local, focusing on um, Moroccan contemporary artistic production, Absolutely. others on South African. So yeah. this is really interesting on on, on Nigerian um, artistic production. So this is this is what what I do find also really interesting is um, reading, looking at, and following um, art from the south. So. Brazil and Cuba, yes. uh, because you see the similarities in terms of the history of the development of black art, yes. um, which mm. I find, I always find fascinating to read about and, and to understand. Mm. If I spoke mm. uh, East or Spanish, I think I'd listen to some of the podcasts, but I don't. 
Um, so <laughs> I, I read the English, the English yes. um, and magazines and publications there. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, but from an historic context, they're hard to come by. But I think some libraries have digitalized them. If you could get your hands on the Black Ophios magazines from the mm -hmm. 60s, they speak to visual arts and literature, and they're wonderful. They're mm -hmm. wonderful visual specimens as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's great, thank you. And the next question, um, what countries, which countries or specific cities in Africa are seeing the most cultural growth, be it the market or creativity? Mm. Well, at the moment, not very many, <laughs> given COVID. <laughs> I guess it depends also a little bit what you define as growth. I think it really depends on what the scene is, or what's been happening there. So I think, for example, it's very different if you look at South Africa with a very specific structure and history there <laughs> compared to Uganda, for example, you know, mm. where there's also a lot of happening, but I mean, the scene is much smaller, but in relation to what is happening, it is also important. Yeah. So um, I think it's really hard to, to really um, pick one or two out. I think it really depends on the, on, on the specific interest also where wants to, someone wants to delve in. But I think generally that it, it is a lot of things yeah. are happening that yeah. are really important, which really you know, connects to what was said before about Pulana and all of us, that there's so much locally happening that is really also interested in building those structures there and is actually not looking towards Europe or the US, but basically doing um, their own thing. And I think this is maybe also connected to that question of the future, really important that this idea of a decentralization becomes a norm normal thing that, mm. you know, that there are not only these big centers like London, New York, Paris or whatever that define what um, the histories or the contemporary mm. what's happening now is mm. but it's actually being also defined in lots of other spaces and, and context. And this happens in Accra as well as you know in Luanda yeah. um, you know or Kampala in Nairobi or, or Nairobi so this is there are many centers as that says where a lot of very very interesting things are happening right now so I think most cities across the continent are starting to see a, a real growth and uh, interest in, in cultural capital, ultimately. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I also like to always to say that Africa needs to be afforded its own degree of luxury of specialization a bit more. Um, mm -hmm. When people talk about Africa, you, there's no way you're going to have this, every city on the continent having the same amount of cultural influence or, or growth. Yeah. You know? There's a reason why we don't have Adbaz Wyoming or, you know, or, or any of these, you know, freeze, I don't know, I can't pick up a state <laughs> to, to use as an example. So yes, there's some major cultural centers in Africa. Growth though is measured from how, you know, where you start from. And you guys have mentioned Accra is a fantastic example. But yeah. what about just the sheer artistic production in a small country like Benin? Yeah, know, yeah, yeah. The yeah. volume of artists that out is, is is a lot. Well, yeah. you know, there will be some that do better than others, but let's allow ourselves the luxurious specialization once in a while. And I, I guess from a South African perspective, if I can just make a, a, a small point which is important, I think despite the fact that we see South Africa, given its history, as having a very rich um, cultural heritage, the reality is that it was limited historically to a particular racial category. 
Mm. And I would say yeah. that we're seeing a monumental growth now mm. with, I would say, the, the, the slow disintegration of the old mm. with a new uh, dynamic, uh, young, dynamic, and diverse um, uh, creative, uh, creativity coming up, uh, which is new. And, and for me, that, that's extremely exciting. It's not only in Cape Town, where everybody thinks that uh, the mm -hmm. arts are limited to Cape Town with the Cape Town Art Fair, but I would say that there's just as much of a growth in, in, in the Gauteng area, in Johannesburg and Pretoria. Yeah, of mm -hmm. uh, a number of uh, art institutes, uh, privately owned, um, mm -hmm. have, have sprung up. And so one is beginning to see a proper engagement that is bringing uh, to the fore and demystifying the arts for, for everybody, not just for, for, for the white population of you. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much um, to all the panelists and to everyone who asked questions. I'm afraid that's all we have time for, but there were more I wanted to ask. But um, thank you so much. And um, thank you, Pulani. Thank you, Yvette. Thank you, Julia. Thank you, Ayo. And um, yes. we hope to see you soon. And, and look Physically, yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I'm glad we were able to do this um, nonetheless. So mm -hmm. thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you. you. All right, guys. Bye. Nice to see you guys, by the way. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.